And we're back with episode 35 of the Graphic Content Podcast. My name is Jim Mason. I'm Adam Messinger. You might not recognize him from the last time he was on this show. Adam, you look like you lost about 20 pounds. It was all off hair on my face. <laughs> oh, my God. And my head. You look like a, I mean, a like, human? A, like a decent human. Yeah. You look like you, you solved the problem of lycanthropy. I don't even know what the fuck that means. That means being a werewolf. Oh, okay. that's a disease. It's well, it's you know, if you play D and D, you learn oh, these things. I've never done that. Believe Kids, it or you not. learn fancy words from D and D. Play more. Yeah. Do yeah. It. Do it's, that. It's for the imagination. <laughs> it's so, like ma- evag- imagination vitamins. Yeah, something like that. So, are you going to be monitoring the chat room while we're? Oh uh, yeah, I should probably do that. You know, do that, and then I'll just talk about some stuff going on. So, All welcome right. to the. High-tech graphic content studio. Uh, we have done some improvements, namely our set behind us that you can't see because I'm fat as shit right now. Um, Adam, you're, you're normal yeah. compared to me. But yeah, we have Master Yoda in the background. We've got you know, my fancy graphic content hand-drawn logo there. Yeah, that, it's spelled right and everything. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to use all the letters. Er, anyway, so we're doing this recording because we couldn't get together before tonight, this week, so we think if we can only get together on Thursday night, why don't we actually record this on Facebook Live, which is technically uh, streaming on Facebook Live. I'm mixing yeah. up my uh, my internet terms and science and shit, but... Um, but here we go. So, Adam. Uh, so, something that's amusing is uh, we have one watcher. We have one watcher. Is it my wife? No, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We're going to record this for posterity's sake. Exactly. And uh, who knows? We might get two watchers by the end of this yeah. thing. You know? So, never give up. Nope. N- never surrender. Ever. Ever. Hey, before we get started, I want to say... Champion job with episode 34 of the Graphic Content Podcast. Thank you. Flying Solo. How did that feel? Uh, It was weird, but once I kind of got into it and started to get going, uh, I was like, well, this is either going to be garbage or it's not. And so... uh, so, yeah, I was happy that you, you enjoyed it. I did. You know, I edited the hums and ahs because you, you, you. you made mention of that. So we took about 30 minutes out of the show. Oh, okay. Night. Yeah. <laughs> and all that. No, I, I thought to... it looked shorter than when I sent you the file. <laughs> so, no, I'm kidding. You, you actually, especially once you got rolling on your subject matter, you did a really great job with that. And I, again, just great review. Um, have you gotten any feedback about your views on DC Metal? None. Good. Because I, I swear, every time I look on the internet about DC Metal, there's barely a pin that drops about Newt. You can't see, you know, hear sight nor sound of it. Really? It's almost like you're put it, they put it out, and you know, it's like, DC Metal, Hardcore, Evil Universe, Superheroes. Yeah! yeah! On IGN, yeah. they love it over there. Really? Yeah, they're giving it all kinds of good scores. And I was just like, did they fucking pay you? I just, you know, I I guess my thought is on. I, I just want to go real brief on DC Metal. As you know, I'm I'm super behind on all my current stuff, except for Mister Miracle. Kids, read Mister Miracle. Fuck yes. Yes, number three came out. Some comic shops were shorted on that one. Go out and find it. Travel to another town or another state if you have to. If you have to go across the ocean to Singapore or Great Britain. 
go get that fuck. Generally Britain because they speak English. Singapore. If, hey, if I've you, never been there, but I hear they don't speak English very much there. They they speak. I mean, there are people who speak English and they sell American comics there. Oh, they do. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, of course they do. Not everybody speaks English, but go to whatever country you have to to get this book. It's that good. Yeah, I need to read two. I haven't got to yet. Oh, it's so good. Anyway, as you'll see, it's actually right behind me on the wall over there. Yeah, there's a couple uh, of things behind us that I was like, I haven't read that. I need to read that. Yeah. And Mr. Miracle was one. I saw you had a secret history of the authority. Yeah. And I was like, I should probably walk out of here with that tonight. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a fun book. I won't say it's the greatest thing I've ever read, but John McRae doing art, you can't go wrong. Um, But getting back to DC Metal, I just... It, to me, it's just blah. You know, there. I I don't take as much offense to Batmanium as I think you do. I mean, my and in, my intelligence felt so fucking <laughs> insulted after reading that. <laughs> I'm just saying that it it has a very silver agey kind of feel to it. But but this is my problem with it. Okay, just just hang on. Okay. I know. I, All right. The term Batmanium is like Supremium from the from Alan Moore's run on Supreme. Okay. So. It's not that I, I hate the term Batmania. I hate it that it's thrown into what is the heavy metal superhero comic, and it has absolutely no, con- no true connective tissue for me. I understand what they're trying to accomplish, but it doesn't fit. If they no. were telling this, you know, if they, if they got, you know, I know Darwin Cook is gone, but if this was a book, if DC Metal was about the 1950s meets heavy metal in some way, I could kind of understand as as a as a skewed punk rock look of the Silver Age, I could almost get behind it. But to me, it makes no sense. Plus, there, I, I would prefer them actually getting into the mythology of nth metal, which now they're calling ninth metal, which I just think is lazy writing. And, and you know, out of all, amongst other things among, in that book, and and I like Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo still. I still think they're a great great creative team. It's just I think they misfired on this book. Oh, they! I have thought several times about going back and reading, rereading, well, not rereading, but finishing Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's Batman run because I stopped at Death of the Family. Yeah, and this has made me not want to do that at all. Yeah. After reading this, and the other thing that threw me, and this one's nitpicky, okay, but and I and I know that, but in Tim Seeley's Nightwing Rebirth, uh-huh. uh huh, they changed the Court of Owls to the Parliament of Owls, and it's a worldwide thing. Okay, so right, you see, I remember that. So you see, uh, Dick Grayson trying to go and and infiltrate, do, becoming you know he's yeah. They're kind of holding something over him, and he has to be an enforcer for the Parliament of Yeah, Owls and, and there's that. Well, at the end of issue two of Metal, you just see the Court of Owls come out of nowhere, and they're like, we're the Court of Owls, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm like, get your shit straight. Are you a court? Are you a parliament? Parliament? What the fuck are you? What would be great is is if there were they were at one time a unified organization... And sometime in his, during the course of history, they actually split apart. Okay, like the Gotham chapters and exactly, chapters. yeah. You know, that would be kind of that would be kind of neat. But they they gave no illusion to that even being the case. Oh, we have four people. Oh, hello, four people. Welcome uh, aboard. Robert Lucchesi says, "Death in the Family" is a classic. Yeah, it's it's for Robert Lucchesi, my brother in metal. Uh, you. 
honest to God, that is a that's just great comics. Period. Wait, that, which one? Death of the family or a, in the family? A death in the family. That for is, me. Okay. No, and this is the reason why is is that I believe in what Pendulet said in the uh, cover copy he did for the uh, for the collected edition of that is that he was jealous that they that DC Comics beat him to the you know not one nine hundred kill your partner scam. Oh, which okay. And once I realized just you know what a level of craziness that was in the 1990s that, you know, you pay two bucks in the 1990s to determine the fate of Jason Todd was fucking hilarious, I thought. Now it would be text. Oh, now it would be, you know, text kill him to to 72798. That's not a real thing, everybody. That's a fake. Um, But, and then Death of the Family, more modern version yeah, is I I think probably their best Batman work. I mean, really, I I think so. I mean, it's, I, it's, I was, arguably, I was not a fan of the ending, and that kind of killed the entire story for me. Okay, um, it's why I dropped off reading that. Uh, I was a big fan of Court of Owls. Oh, I I mean, that's what got me into um, it. Yeah, it got, got issue, me into them as creators. Issue three, where you have uh, Batman going through the maze. Holy shit, man. And having to flip the comic all, all kinds of different ways. To and that's what made that problem. You're probably right, you know, now that I think about it. Sometimes I get too caught up in, in geek fun. and But I really enjoy Death of the Family probably more than you do. Yeah. We're going to have to do an episode breaking that down. I'd like I to think. do a couple episodes going, like, sp- not just with this, but spending time on like a run uh-huh. of it, you know, and going through and breaking down the different parts of like a big long run. Like we could do Batman and from Capullo and yeah, and we, Snyder and stuff like that. I would love to do that. That's true. And if you're new to the graphic content podcast, um, Adam and I do this all the time because we don't get enough time to talk between episodes. Yep. You'll hear us spitballing. So if you have ideas on episodes, you see what I'm about to do here? I see what you're about you, to do. You see, like you see me working. Uh, if you have an idea for a future episode, things that you would like my buddy and I to talk about, hit us up on the Twitters. Yep. They call it the Twitters, right? <laughs> Are you going to die? No. Please no. don't die. All right, I guess. I can't do this alone <laughs> forever. That would be a hell of a thing, die on Facebook Live. <laughs> you know, I actually had a dream about this. No shit. Night. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you later. Oh, okay. Don't. Don't have dreams about dying on the internet, kids. But anyway, like I was going to say, you can hit us up on Twitter, simply at Graphic Podcast. We're also on Instagram. P.S. This guy is the one who's responsible for the Instagram account right now. Yeah, it's been silent. I'm sorry. Yeah, God damn it, Adam. But you can look us up on Instagram for Midnighter Mondays, and then what do we call the uh, Wednesdays? Women's Creative Works. Yes. Hashtag WCW. Yes. And uh, that is on Wednesdays on our Instagram channel, which is graphiccontent.podcast. Or if you'd like to write us a longer form email to tell us why we suck so bad, or if you're a creator that would like to get more exposure for your work, hit us up on our Gmail account, therealgraphiccontent at gmail.com. If you are a creator and would like the work to be reviewed, Please submit in PDF form. It's oh so much easier to download than JPEGs. Yes. Uh, ben Gonzalez has said he's going to hit us up on Twitter. Sweet. Awesome, Ben. Thank you, Ben. We look forward to it. And if you ask us a question, Adam's got codes to some of the comics that you've created in the past. Yes. And uh, he will uh, shoot you a free download Absolutely. Code. Yeah. So, Adam, 
we're here. You saw you you um, had that great episode. I just want to take a minute before we get into our main topic to talk about a movie I just saw. Okay, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I've got the poster right up there in the back corner. It's it's over oh, there. I see it. Yes, okay. he yeah. sees it now, everybody. I, um, I just want to say what a modern flipping masterpiece that that movie is. Did you ever see the original? I fell asleep in it. Oh God damn it, kids. <sighs> What are you going to do with them? Yeah, I I tried to watch it twice, and I fell asleep both times. Jesus, he is not a noir kid, is he? I, Horror I, movie kid? No. No? What? I mean... I was all about... There's that Vangelis music. I, yeah, it just didn't, it didn't hold my attention. And I think, I think part of it was the dated <laughs> look of it. Dated? For the original Blade Runner? No. What are you talking about dated? It was, there was like women wearing clear plastic raincoats and are we talking about the same movie? I Guys being shot wonder, in the street, heads being smashed. By dated, I mean the technology at the time. Well, yeah. I mean. I think that that's what I'm talking about. Not yeah. the, the few, it definitely has a futuristic look. Yeah. But the technology and a lot of that, it stuck out. Like set work as opposed to something I was able to get into. Interesting, you know. And, and do you feel about that the same way about the uh, original Alien movie, the first Alien movie? I've never seen it. Oh, dude, he hasn't seen Aliens or Alien. I've you've never seen, seen any of them. You've never. Wait a minute. Yeah, I've never seen any of them. This is weird. I I don't know who he is anymore. We're gonna have to figure this out. Yeah. Anybody. I was told I was a replicant. Robert Lucchesi told me I was a replicant. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I need you even. to look square into that lamp over there. Does his eyes reflect like a cat's? That's what I need to oh, know. Okay, is that how you determine? Yeah. That? Didn't you notice that? No. No. Okay. Uh, you'd fail a Voight-Kampff test, I think. I again, I don't know what that is either. Yep. Fantastic. So I'm going to sit him down like in a Clockwork Orange and make him watch that movie. Another but, one I've not seen. Holy. F- <laughs> I'm not a movie guy. You're not the biggest movie guy. I'm, I mean, I'm, that's true. You give me a stack of comics, I'll go through it. But oh, movies, you're, yeah. yeah, and we're going to get to comics, but I just want to yeah. say that, to me, Blade Runner 2049, I was so scared of this film because Blade Runner is one of my favorite movies of all time for the acting, for the noir sensibility to it, that it could be in the future but still have a 1950s sort of Sam Spade detective um, kind of rhythm to it. I loved... Blade Runner 2049 so much that it was it was incredibly shot by Roger Deakins, who's worked with Denis Villeneuve on movies like Sicario and Arrival. Just absolutely brilliant cinematography. Um, the, the production design, the story was by the original screenwriter of Blade Runner, Hampton Fancher. Um, these, I mean, I, I'm going to say it right now, and... God knows I'm not a real movie pundit. I just play one on Thursday nights live on Facebook. But I think there's an Academy Award nomination, Harrison Ford's future, for this role. Okay, that's good. I'm just saying, you know. You're just saying that because he punched Ryan Gosling in the face on set. I kind of like that. (laughs) (laughs) i got to be honest. I really like that story. I I saw that, and I was like, that's hilarious. Yeah, wow. But no, I wasn't even um, uh, taken aback by Ryan Gosling's performance. 
he was really great in that. Robin Wright is always great in anything that she does. Um, you know, I, I can't remember the name of the actress who played Joy, and then there's another actress who played Love. One was a holographic companion, one was a replicant servant of Jared Leto's character, uh, Mr. Wallace, who was originally supposed to be played by David Bowie oh. before he passed away. Yeah, I was away. about to say, yeah. not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, so, so Ben Gonzalez says he's in the same boat as me. He hasn't seen Blade Runner. Okay, Ben. Or Alien. So well, I'm not alone. I, you're not alone. And, and look, this is, you know, we've, we've taught, maybe we should talk a little bit about the show here in case you're new to us, is the fact that Adam is much younger than me. I'm 48. Adam, you're 29. 30. You're 30. Yep. Wow, you're getting 30. up there. Yeah. Yeah. You I might... spent my 30th birthday depressed that I was all 30. Oh, shit. Don't. <laughs> wait, wait till you can't get out of bed when you're 48. No, oh, I'm okay. kidding. I can get, I'm here right now. So. Look, um, I don't know what you were doing before this. Yeah, no, I was getting <laughs> hoisted by a crane. Oh. Um, <laughs> anyway, so look, I don't think you absolutely need to watch the original Blade Runner film, even though I think that that it's a great try. You know, kudos to you for trying. I think it's a brilliant movie. I think there's a lot more action in this film than there was in the original Blade Runner movie. I definitely think it's worth seeing. Okay, I just wanted to say that out loud. I loved it. I've I've seen online because uh, a lot of my Twitter feed watch his is fans of the genre, you know, uh, and I've I've seen love it or hate it. I've never seen any. There was no in between. Yeah, there. You know, I I'll be honest. You know, the critics rave about this film. Um, this has a critic score of ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Jeez. Yeah, I'm not sure if it stayed ninety eight percent with all their registered critics, but at least for pre-release up until the Thursday of release, it was 98%. That's a hell of a thing. So, but again, you know, this is a film that has a certain rhythm to it. It, it has still has noir sensibilities, but Denis Villeneuve has up the stakes with the action, up the stakes with, with the technology. It's much more up to date than the original Blade Runner was. Okay. You know, sometimes with films, you have to transport yourself back to the time. It's sort of like watching the Flash Gordon serials oh, of the yeah. 30s and 40s. I mean, they had spark, you know, they stuck a sparkler in the back of a model and then flew it across the screen on, on fishing line. <laughs> you know, yeah. that, I mean, that was the extent of special effects back mm -hmm. in the day. So I, I forgive the, the original Blade Runner for a lot of sins now. Even today, when I go back to watch it, just because if I think about myself, my, my young, I think I was 12 or 13 when I originally saw this movie. It was the first rated R movie I saw in the theater. I was like, it's so big. Everything is big. There's airships with holographic advertising and entire buildings being turned into billboards. And, you know, we're... we're steps away. I was from, about to say, that's not too far off. No, we, we have that now. There are mm -hmm. cyberpunk cities out there. I'm a big fan of the cyberpunk genre, and I think if you are, you will love Blade Runner 2049. If not, you get to see Harrison Ford beat the crap out of Ryan Gosling. Yeah. So, you know, that's pretty good, too. Can't, can't hate on that. No. So, that's our first part of pop culture. We just like to talk about it, you know, shoot the shit. Kind of, you know, as as he said earlier, we haven't really got a chance to hang out. So no, this so is, this is good, and we're doing it, it live yeah. with you, our friends at home or work or wherever you are on the internet. We are here for a specific reason today. Yes, and we're going to be reviewing. We're going to. This is shocking. I know. We're going to talk about comic books. What the fuck? I know, right? 
This is this is pretty amazing. You pretty... did not prepare me for this, Jim. God damn it. Well, did I prepare you for this? Marvel Legacy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now look at this cover by the great Joey Q. You want to hold the other side Absolutely. of this? this? That is all of Marvel. This fool does not do enough comics. Honestly. Joe, I I know you're chief creative officer, but Adam's going to finish my sentence for me. Go fucking make comics. Make comics again, Joe, please. You're, you're, I know you're doing the Lord's work in, in, you know, getting a lot of these movies or a lot of these properties translated into film and TV and animation as chief creative officer. He's, he's wearing a lot of hats, you know, and he's producer consultant on all these projects. I wish, wish I would have, you know, Punch Scott Buck in the face for the two hours of my life I lost for watching The Inhumans. Uh, yeah, I didn't that, even bother. I, I wish that I was with you on I, that. I heard Scott Buck, because originally I was like semi-interested. Right. And I, because I, The Inhumans are awesome. Uh, I think I have awesome. I, I have a burnt out taste in my mouth because of the way Marvel's handled them and trying to make them the new X-Men. Yeah, thanks, Ike Perlmutter. Yeah, so that... Look up Ike Perlmutter, and you'll see a Donald Trump-supporting douchebag. Oh, that's as political as I'm going to get today. I said that Um, out loud on the internet. Um, I'm going to... Honey, look look through the windows. Make sure the FBI isn't outside. Um, (laughs) Yes, Robert, I would love to... He said he would get a, a copy just to frame the cover. Yes. And I, I totally understand that. <laughs> Honest to God. Joe Quesada, make comics. I don't care if it's one issue of Ash a year or whatever the fuck. You know, just make a comic book, please. I get that not everyone's Grant Morrison that will stop you from whatever you're doing to make you draw a short story. Right. But God damn it, do an annual with Bendis or something. Or reteam with Jimmy. You know, Jimmy's a hell of a oh, writer. I don't see Jimmy ever coming back to Marvel. Yeah. Oh, I don't either. But I, I would, you know, or do something somewhere. I mean, yeah. do it. Do a creator-owned joint like Ash or some other book again. You yeah. know. Let's get. Let's. Okay. So we like this cover. We like Joey yes, Q. That's Joey a, Q. It's a pretty good way I, to uh, start. I want you to Anne now. Marie said the FBI is not outside. Okay. Good. Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. My wife is watching. This, however, is my pr- major problem with this book. I'm actually leading with my negatives this time. Is the am- I'm watching it through the amount this. of ads in this comic is out of control. I mean, look. I, I understand what you're trying to do, and let's let's maybe start you, at the are, beginning. Are that, you just talking about like uh, house ads? House ads. Okay. House ads are filthy in this comic. I mean, it's filthy with house ads, and I, I'm going to get more into it in depth. But but let's go into a couple of particulars on this book. So this book is five dollars ninety nine cents for what would you say forty some or sixty some forty odd? pages. 40, 40 pages of story. Yeah. Okay, you're probably getting about 60 pages altogether, but about 40 of them are yeah. story. Um, if somebody knows the correct number, please, by all means, let us know live here on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or email. Um, the book is essentially the not a reboot of the Marvel Universe. This yeah. is more of a reset. In other words, everything that they were leading up to with Secret Empire uh, didn't count, <laughs> for the lack of a better term. To, to be fair, anytime they've done a big event, that's generally how they, they lay things out afterwards. 
Yeah. If honestly. you look at it, uh, the only time I haven't seen that happen was like House of M. That didn't really happen. Um, Secret Invasion. That didn't really happen. No, it didn't. Um, but once you Civil hit Civil War. Yeah, Civil War, that, that kind of happened, but it more set up the era than it set exactly. up. Exactly. It set uh, up the era in, in crossovers and yeah. you know the kind of stories that they were starting to tell in comics. But it, it wasn't until Siege that you had a clean you know, start to everything, and it was the heroic age, and you went in. Right. You didn't really need to know a whole lot about stuff. No. You could go in clean to any comic possible. And yeah. And the whole idea with Marvel Legacy is, is that it, it's a reset from the time that Captain America uh, was fiddled with by who, who was the who was the big bad behind the Secret Empire? We're going to get into some spoilers. Here. I don't fucking know. Okay, neither do I. I part I of it say was, it was I, the Red Skull or somebody, but somebody in Hydra used the Cosmic Cube to go back in time and turn Captain America into a, essentially a Nazi. Yeah, I, I just didn't care. I don't. I'm not a huge Nick Spencer fan, so I try. I read the first couple. Um, they were laborious to read. Yep, I, I gave it the three issue try, and so, I, it just couldn't pass muster after that. Well, not only that, they used top tier artists, but the artists they used didn't have any continuity between them. Right. Uh, so you got Steve McNiven, Lenil Yu. Um, oh, great art! I mean, yeah, Andreas Sorrento. Yeah. Um, and you Sorrentino. Had Sorrentino. Yep. Yeah. And then you also had Rod Reyes coming in to do fill-in stuff. And all of it was, was great artists that had the series done, uh, you know, that art alone throughout was, the entire thing. But it, it was been thin, good. But it was thin as paper storytelling, and you saw the turns a mile away. Yeah. The, the, it just, to me, it wasn't a satisfying crossover event. And when the big reveal of Captain America is, in, is the leader of HYDRA... Uh, this sucks. You know, it just, yeah. it, 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 and it was predictable. It was predictable that, that good Steve Rogers was going to be pulled from a parallel timeline or whatever the hell and fight the bad Steve Rogers. And the good Steve Rogers is, and, and we're talking old school chainmail, red, white, and blue, no updated looking costume. This is your dad's Captain America is now back. Yeah. And, I didn't like it. I'll, I'll just be honest. I didn't like Secret Empire. And with Legacy, what they wanted to do was, was I'll be honest, it, to me it seemed like they were aping DC Rebirth in a way where they wanted to do these touch points with certain characters throughout this, throughout this special issue where you see where Captain America is. You know, what, what's he doing? You know, setting up his comic book. What's... Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, going to be doing with her book, or what are the Inhumans up to, or Thor, Daredevil, and even they had a little bit of X Men stuff in here, and I'll be quite honest. Um, oh, they, I will, I, I will say one good thing about this book. I love the fight between Starbrand and Ghost Rider. It didn't really do anything okay. for me. I, I mean, I just kind of what, what, what were, what did you like about it? What. What struck you? I, I liked a couple of things. Number one, I liked the reveal that he wasn't in Kansas anymore. I thought the fact that Robbie Reyes just woke up in his in his uh, car in his uh, was a Dodge Charger, I think seventy two oh, yeah. Charger. He wakes up in his magical Dodge Charger in South Africa, and okay, yeah, which immediately made him a fish out of water. And the fact that the Star Brand. Uh, who was Kevin? What's his name from uh, Jonathan Hickman's uh, run on Avengers? 
uh, comes streaking out of the sky to destroy the Ghost Rider, which to me is about as feasible as me kicking God and having him go, ow. Um, it, it was not that Ghost Rider is as powerful. I mean, you can that's a whole different story. Um, You've I just, got a very, very a powerful Earth Force versus... Uh, a force that is beyond Earth, almost like an unstop. You know, just the idea of unstoppability. Yeah, you know that that vengeance is coming. Um, the book starts with the Avengers of prehistory, is the best way that I can call it. It was Odin trying to wield Mjolnir, like he's worthy enough to pick it up, but it doesn't like being around him because Odin is a bastard unless. You know, I mean, that's that's retcon. I feel like I feel like it is also. I mean, I don't think that Odin would necessarily be worthy because he's a bastard. You know, he's a piece of shit. I mean, deadbeat dad. And I feel like that's only recent. The whole piece of shit thing, because in you look at Simonson's. Oh, he was not a dickhead. No, he's I mean, he can be a little rough and tumble, but he wasn't. You know, Odin always had a purpose to his dickishness. It was yes. always to teach Thor something. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it was, he would always say in a very godly way, life sucks, and you got to learn to roll with it. Um, but this is Odin, brown-haired Odin, so this is son of Bor. And, uh, I know, did like some of the references he made as far as Bor goes. I did enjoy that. And uh, the rest of the team was made up of, I guess, the first Black Panther avatar, um, a Neanderthal with the star brand, which is interesting. A guy who cannot speak, yet he has the most powerful weapon in the universe is the Earth's defense system. Um, a, um, Agamotto. Yeah, I thought the, that was really interesting. That was cool. Uh, the first Sorcerer su- Supreme, the Shaman mm-hmm. of the Earth. And something I didn't really care for, which is, look, I, I love Iron Fist. We've talked about my love for Iron Fist. And my favorite Iron Fist, besides Danny Rand, is Wu Wow Shi, the pirate queen of Pinghai Bay. Yeah. But the female Iron Fist that was in here, that's a member of this team, again, that, that just smacks in the face of previous continuity, where in the book of the Iron Fist, they said that there had been no other female Iron Fists before that point. Well, there's, not a, they, there's no way they could know that, because this is before a time of communication. Well... I don't necessarily agree with that because I think I think um, Kunlun Society, first of all, was founded by aliens. So okay. aliens had something to do with Kunlun. Number two, I mean, there's there's I, I don't think that in in before Common Era time, um, not all societies were on the same page with with writing. I mean, while Western Europe was still you know painting caves with their blood and and mm-hmm. other bodily. Matters, yeah, I get what you're saying. You know, before they and and using tools to chisel pictograms in cave walls, you know, there was there's evidence of of there being full tomes of short stories and novels being written in in the uh, Asian subcontinent. So, it just it's just a thing. It's a minor quibble. Um, I think she looks pretty cool. I think she's a little bit. Um, uh, unlike the other Iron Fist, which is kind of neat, but I, I would have just appreciated a little nod to continuity there. That's just continuity quibble. And uh, these Avengers gather to fight a celestial that landed on Earth in prehistory. And again, you know, that's pretty big, heady stuff. You know, celestials, the Jack Kirby creations, these are, you know, a race of alien space gods that land on Earth and, 
you know, every time they come, you know, eon after eon, they judge whether the earth is still fit to continue to exist, yeah. basically. And uh, there's always some group of superhumans, and this is the point of, of the prologue of this book, is to say earth has always had a kind of, of, of immune defense system. You know, and that immunity defense system are magicians, kung fu fighters, uh, uh, stellar energy manipulators, gods. You know, they are going to to protect the earth at all costs. So, I I, I kind of like this part. I kind of like the part where Ghost Rider and Starbrand were fighting. But where the book fell apart for me was when they get into all of the touch points with what other characters are up to. You know, oh, what, you got Loki here sending the sending frost, frost giants, giants into into the earth. Yeah. Um, you know, oh yeah, and they fight the Avengers. They fight well. You know, a version. Of, they a, fight the Trinity. Yeah, they fight the they fight a, the substitute Trinity. I should yeah. say. You know, where it's Jane Foster, Thor, Sam Wilson, Captain America, Ironheart. Again, I love these characters, um, but it, to me, it doesn't frame what the future of the Avengers book is going to be if everybody is coming back. If Tony Stark's going to be back, Steve Rogers is oh, going to be back. Oh, that's another thing they touch on is Tony Stark has broke out of the... Uh, the uh, the place where they were keeping him, right? Yeah, he it was, was in a, a suspended animation chamber. Where he was being purposefully yeah. kept in a coma, Yeah, and he's missing. And I swear, after every story you get, again, here's another example of of, to me, the flow of the story being ruined by the placement of the house ads. Yeah. Now, there are no ads in this book, so I should call them promos or house ads. That's not true. I saw an Alec Cross ad in oh, there. Oh, that, that's true. He probably paid a lot of money for that. Um, no, It's because he sold a piece of art. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if you ever go to a convention, there's an Alex Ross art place. If you have to ask the price on something, you cannot afford it. It's just a thing. And they don't offer loans? No. No loans, black cards only. Um, then they have a piece with Captain America by um, um, who's writing that book? Um, Wade, Mark Wade, and um, Somni. Don, Chris Somney. I my old brain was kicking into gear, but thank you. And that piece is neat about where Cap is. That whole page. That whole one page that they gave us. But then again, this is the creative team for my number one Marvel book of last year, which was Black Widow. Yeah. So I'm in. I'm, you know, as long as Wade and Somni are on the book, I'm in on that book automatically. It's, it, you know, that part I like. But to me, this is more, you know, a series of interconnected short stories. Oh, you know, the Odinson is, is getting loaded in Asgard while, you know, things are happening to other seers and whatnot. Tony Stark is broken out of his, uh, his hospital room. Um, there's, you know, the shield is being shut down in this. Oh, yeah, and, and right now that's being felt throughout the Marvel Universe. Yep. So, you know, I guess that makes sense to, to prelude it here. Um, there's a team-up happening between Iron Fist and Doctor Strange, which I think is a very natural pairing that I'm down with. Yeah, um, well, especially with what's happened earlier in the book yes. where it shows that natural gravitation towards more or less Earth's, uh, Earth's forces. Yeah, Earth's defense force, yeah. the Earth's immune system, mm -hmm. you know, where that could be a very inspired team if they get Starbrand, Ghost Rider, Doctor Strange, Iron Fist together. 
to, uh, you know, maybe it's their new version of the Defenders or something. I know they have another Defenders book, well, but you they, know what they I'm saying. Well, they could easily, if they switch that team into being the Illuminati, I think that would be perfect. Yeah. Uh, we get a page of, De- of uh, Deadpool being hunted down by NYPD cops. Uh, he's a bad guy again, but we have no idea from the looks of, of that one page of story. Um we get a full page ad for the Inhumans television series, which to me is a wasted advertisement. And then they got uh, what's his face trying to be Green Goblin again, Norman Osborn. Not Norman Osborn. Back to the Avengers. I mean, look, honestly, there were books like this in the '90s and the early aughts that they just gave away, which are samplers of books that were coming out. You know, it's like our, okay. new, our new initiative is hitting here, kids. Here's or maybe it cost a buck. Oh, you, you know remember, what? Like were, the heroes when they were doing Heroes You're Born, right. they had that half issue. Yes. And you got to see, you know, it had like two pages of everything that was coming out. Exactly. And and you get maybe you get one page of Mark Markway Chris Somney. You get um multiple pages of 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 the subs, Legion of Substitute Avengers here. You you get this uh, what I thought was a pretty neat story in in the the Starbrand Ghost Rider. Uh, fight. Adam didn't care for it as much. Um, you get more uh, pre one page prelude to Marvel Two and One. Yes, which has been Grimm the thing and Johnny Storm the Human Torch teaming up. Which I actually is, felt like that in the last three pages were probably my favorite yes. out of all of them. But again, you just get a couple of pages. You know, you don't get enough to or hell, that's only one page yeah. that you get. Excuse me. Uh, then you get multiple panels going on. Then you get more Starbrand v Ghost Rider. Um, and then you get a couple of pages towards the end. Uh, a frost giant makes away with the MacGuffin from yeah. the Avengers fight and then gets hit by a beer truck. Which the driver of beer truck... Is this guy who likes to wear white feeders and cowboy hats. Yeah, James Howlett is back. Yes, Wolverine. Not old man Logan. like Middle-aged middle, man, middle. man Logan. <laughs> you ever see that? You probably didn't, but there was this Mike Myers Saturday Night Live skit called Middle-aged man. Oh, no. And Oh, you need to look that up on YouTube. I was going to say, I love 90s, hila- oh, 90s SNL. So yeah. 90, it was fucking hilarious. And he was like the superhero who's just like a middle-aged dad. <laughs> and uh, it was just great. But yeah, you get middle-aged Logan. You hear the snicked and the claws uh, about to go into this guy. I mean, here we go. I'm just going to hold it here for a second and try to contain my disdain here for a minute. Let's see if it actually shows up. Okay. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I like the idea of bringing Logan back. I mean, just because we knew it was going to happen, and four years is a pretty long time in modern comics to be. He dead. was gone four years. Yeah, eh. four years. Okay, since since twenty thirteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which and that gave Laura a a, a pretty long time to be Wolverine for yeah. a while. X-23, some people might know her as. And then Jean Grey comes upon the Logan Monument, which was him covered in that adamantium slag. And and now, it was in Old Man Logan's house. Right. Which I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. So I'm curious as to what... I have a theory on how he broke out. Okay. um, But I'm not quite sure how they're actually going to play it. Well, it might have something to do with this little guy. Yep. That is Logan with an Infinity Stone, kids. Or at least what looks like the MCU version of the Infinity Stones, not the sleek Infinity Gems that we remember from well, the Well, they've, switch, they've obviously switched it up. They're going to do a big Infinity Gem 
or Infinity. Uh, yeah, it's the Infinity Stone crossover thing is the rumor. Yes. And it makes sense since they got the movie coming out and all that. Exactly. So, you know, again, I don't fault Marvel for putting this book out. I, I think that the the idea in general of having a preview book is good. I like preview books because it gives me a sampler of the future. My problem is, is that I, I would have preferred it being a little bit cheaper um, I think five ninety nine is a heavy lift it, it for, a, for a preview book. It is. Um, I think that uh, there was definitely some things that were quality in here. I like the Fantastic Four related stuff. The last two yeah. pages, by the way, has a nice Fantastic Four um, head nod. I will say. I, I was very happy to see that. Yeah. Especially after finishing Hickman's Fantastic Four, and then uh, you know I was slightly. Yeah, you did just put that away recently, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, and I was kind of... So, I'm not a huge Fantastic Four fan, but reading that and then seeing Ben and, and Johnny on that page back together, I was just like, man, this is going to be fucking cool when they can get together and, and all reunite on this journey, and it made me excited to see it. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, this this Marvel Legacy number one had enough stuff inside that made me curious about a bunch of books coming out in the future. It made me curious for Marvel 2-in-1. It made me desperately want Wade Somney, Captain America. I'm curious about Wolverine coming back to the pages of the X-Men, and I haven't been curious about the X-Men and I can't tell you how many years. I mean, it's been a long time since I've really enjoyed Did the X-Men books. Did you follow any of the stuff from New York Comic Con? Mm-mm. Um, I'm just going to say they didn't acknowledge Wolverine coming back at all for anything there. Okay, just to the pages of the New York Post? Yeah, essentially. <laughs> you know? Like, they didn't bring it up at, Interesting. as far as I know. And he was not announced as part of any of the X-Men plans. Wow. And so I'm, I'm really... Good job. Hey, I mean, I'm just going to say this up front. Good job, Marvel PR. You actually kept it together for a change. You know what? I actually... We've given them some shit in here. Here's what I think it is. I don't think it's Marvel PR doing a good job. I think what it is is the fact that they don't have plans for him. Interesting. I don't think that they have plans for him right now, and I think they're they're biding their time. Interesting. Okay. Well, you know what? I might have to go back and do some reading on New York Comic Con announcements and... I could be wrong. I'd love to be wrong. I, I'm, I'm, you've got me curious. You, you have me intensely curious. They did enough, though, that, to make me stay away from fucking the X-Men books. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. They, so, they announced some shit there that I was just like, oh, so I have to wait some more until the X-Men books become something I want to read again. Okay. Well, that seems to be what they do with the X-Men books. And then I read it and go, ah, I wish I didn't read that. And then set it down for another year and a half. Oh, Until, we've got this other cool thing coming. Yeah. I'm just going to set it down for a year and a half. So yeah. I can be hopeful. I can be hopeful. But I, I don't know. Um, you compared this to DC Rebirth earlier. Yeah. And the main misfire, which if they, this had aped DC Rebirth, that's not a bad thing. That would have... Right. It could have given it some structure that it needed. I felt like you talked about this being a sampler. It, that's exactly what it was, except what made DC Rebirth so good is they had a character that tethered the entire thing together. Exactly. They had a single point of view character. Yeah, and if they'd ha- used Wolverine to do that... Oh, that would have been fantastic. That, yeah, and... Especially not... No, you know, 
you could drop his 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 um, uh, cadence, his his kind of dialogue, mm-hmm. and you'd sit there and as the reader, you're you you would learn more and more about the narrator, the hidden narrator over that time could have discovered at the end this guy looking in the mirror or hitting a frost giant with a beer truck or whatever the yeah. fuck. And you can sit there and go, holy shit, this has been Wolverine's story the whole time. Yeah. That would have been that that would have been great, but the the big the big sin in my eyes is it didn't have a focal point. Yeah. Um the other thing that I did kind of like was I did like the establishment of having these five forces uh come together and and be what kind of what makes the Marvel universe and what you're talking about like the the prehistory Avengers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I really like the idea of all that. Yeah. And no, I love the idea. I just don't think they spent enough time with it. I or enough time. Let me let me also tag. Uh, yeah. You know, tag onto that. I don't think they spent enough time with it in the past. Nor do I think that there was an effective job being done in parlaying that to a future gathering of these certain inheritors of those those mantles. Does that make sense? Yeah, I feel my, my thing is I'm hesitant when it comes to uh, m- the further exploration of the, of that concept because I feel like it's really easy to screw up. Yeah. So when Maybe. they when they established it, even if they hadn't given like if they had just given it one page and said, "Here's how everything works." And then, you know, kind of explored that throughout the pages, I would have been cool with that. Yeah. Instead of uh, you know showing that three pages and then moving on and jumping around to everything else. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you know, I again, I just I, I enjoyed DC Rebirth because it told a story with a beginning, middle, and end over four chapters. This did not do that. It didn't do that. It it just kept there. There was no narrative device for jumping between the different pages that they included. If there was either a viewpoint. Uh, point of view narrator, or if there was a chapterized kind of device that they were using, yeah. anything could have been better than than the the frame. We got no framing, no no Zero. context for what legacy is all about, and they've spent a lot of time explaining legacy's context on the various social media sites or news sites like Newsarama, CBR, The Beat. You know, a lot of reporting has been done talking to Tom Brevort or Joe Casado or or Axel Alonzo, who I am not beating up on and anywhere near <laughs> as much. Seriously, Axel, you've you've been a much better citizen of the comic book world over the summer and the fall than you ever were at the beginning of this year. So keep doing what you're doing, pal. Um I I so I'm not complaining about this. And I, I should say that the writer for this book is Jason Aaron. And Jason Aaron, to me... I'm a huge a, fan of that guy. I love this guy. He, First of all, he has an awesome Twitter account. If you're not following Jason Aaron on Twitter, you should. I'm not going to lie. Whenever he shaved off his beard, I unfollowed him. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then you turn around and shaved your beard, so I should this unfollow was, you. This was like a year and a half ago, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just like, you betrayer. No. he's He's got a great Twitter account, and um, we're going to talk a little bit more about Jason Aaron. Um, I don't know... It, you know, who to lay this at the feet of. I don't know if this is Jason Aaron saying, this is the structure I wanted to write. I don't know if 
it was how they were getting the art in that they that they structured the story to the art that they were getting in. They should have stuck with one artist in the whole chapter thing. If they were going to use I, multiple I, artists, that would have worked. Um, but having having the way they did art, I just didn't think it helped it. I, I absolutely agree with you. I just there was no context for why it was jumping all over the place. It was just like, wow, I'm getting into this fight between Starbrand and Ghost Rider, and wait a minute, the Avengers are fighting Frost Giants in New Jersey? What the fuck is going on here? You know, it just, it seemed, it was so disjointed, it, it took me all over the place. Now, again, when I live, maybe I want to cut this comic book up and arrange it. Oh, my gosh. You know, where the whole stories are yeah. being told together. I'd be really curious how that would read. Like that Bootleg 52 remix? Exactly. You know, I... I think there's good stuff in these pages, and I think that if you're a real fan of the Marvel Universe, there is good stuff to be found. I just don't think the story as a whole um, really does it for me. It didn't make me any more excited for anything than... Except for Marvel 2-in-1? Yeah, except for Marvel 2-in-1, and yeah. I was already excited about right. that. They, the creative team already sold me, and then... Who's on that book again? Uh, Zdarsky and Jim Chung. Yeah. There you go. So it's going to be great. <laughs> I'm not even the world's biggest Jim Chung fan. I don't dislike him, but I, I liked him going back to Busiek's Iron Man and other books that he or he also did. No, um, Sean Chen did Busiek. Sean Iron Chen. Man. I'm thinking of um, Maverick. He did Maverick. No, it wasn't Maverick. It was um, was it Young Avengers? Oh yeah, he did Young, Young Avengers. Avengers. That's what I was thinking of. His, Alan, him and Helen Heimberg. His stuff is good. I just don't see why it takes. It's one of those. Things, why does it take that long to do exactly yeah. to do what he does? Right. But at the same time, I'm I'm pretty excited to see where they're going to take this. Yeah, and uh, so that this kind of made me excited for that, and I nerded out a little bit at the end, yeah. seeing, seeing seeing Valeria the, and the, Franklin. Valeria and Franklin, Sue and Sue and Reed's kids, are out there flying around and helping to shape this new universe or whatever, and uh, maybe yeah. they'll help bring their parents home one day. Yeah. Um, and we'll see a proper Fantastic Four. Um, I also said earlier that it's like we saw the Legion of Substitute Avengers, I called them. I like Sam Wilson. I like Riri. I, I was annoyed whenever they took Sam Wilson out of the Captain America yeah. costume because I feel like, while it, it didn't necessarily work in his own book, and that I feel like that had more to do with the writing. Yep, uh, I agree it, completely. It worked as as a whole, whenever I saw him around the Marvel Universe and he mm-hmm. guest he guest starred in other yep. books, he was Captain America. Absolutely, it was without question, and and it wasn't just like oh, this is a different like it didn't noticeably change. It was it was almost the difference between um, Wally and Barry. Yes, yes, that this could have been somebody's Captain America. This could have been a whole generation's Captain America. Mm-hmm. You know, a more Especially a Captain America of, of inclusivity, of acceptance, yeah, of of true colorblindness, of accept. Uh, I said acceptance already, but but really, what the ultimate dream of America is is a real melting pot of 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 a meshing of ideas and cultures and races and creeds and all that stuff. He could have been the living symbolism of of what it means to be American. And you could still have a Steve Rogers Captain America book parallel to that. They are. I mean, they, they showed were already that, doing it. Yeah, they showed you could do it. Yeah, but unfortunately, Nick Spencer kind of 
when you know, and Marvel did, made an editorial decision to do something really different with that book. So you get an A for effort, you get an A for balls, because it took huge balls to make Captain America of yeah. all people a Nazi. But to me, that book didn't land, and I'm not trying to revisit the past. I just want to say how much I like Riri Williams, mm-hmm. how much I like Sam Wilson, how much I love Jane Foster's Thor. And I know we're in for a heartbreaking ending with that. Oh, yeah. Because the Asgardian gods, nothing ends well for them, kids. If nope. you know anything about Norse mythology, and I have a feeling that Jane Foster is coming soon. Well, they announced the... It's the called le- the, death the, the death of Jane Foster. Yeah. So, you know, she's going to go through her own personal Ragnarok, which can, I, I'm already anticipating being completely heartbreaking. Um, yeah, that one's. I'm waiting on Jason Aaron to finish his Thor run before I before you before you, I dive in. And the more I see about it, like like they had the Shi'ar Asgard war, and I'm like, right. fucking, I want to read that. So dope. I want to oh read that. And that then, was so so good. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, the you know death of Jane Foster. I'm like, fuck, I want to read that too. And I'm like, no, you wait until it's done, and you'll yeah. get the full experience. You know, I've, I've been moving just in general to a lot more wait for the trade, I have to be honest, mm-hmm. um, just because of my time commitments. with, You know, as I've told Aaron, uh, uh, excuse me, Adam before, I have a really intense day job, and unfortunately, I don't have the bandwidth, the mental bandwidth, at the end of the day to read comics as much as I would like to. You make choices, Yes. So there are certain books that I continue to follow, like The Mighty Thor, with you know featuring Jane Foster. Titans. Titan. Uh, actually, no. Titans has hit Bat Burner too. Really? Yep. Wow. I'm yep. proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go back and read everything. Oh my uh, God. You know, I'm even behind on Green Lantern and on Green and Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Um, you know, there's just a lot of books that people who know me. Uh, identify with me that I have no clue what's going on with them right now, which is really hard to come out and admit on a comic book podcast show. Yeah, It doesn't mean that I love these books any less. It just means that there are other books that are coming out that just go up to that certain point. And, you know, I start with the books I love the most, always have. And, yeah, I do that. I don't save mm-hmm. the best for last. I dive in, and that helps me, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff, that know, makes which I sense. want to collect. And you know, there's just so much time at the end of the day. But even though I'm behind on a lot of these book, I'm, books, I'm still reading them monthly. So <laughs> I'm just falling backwards in time. Yeah. But I, I really see that now with trades and hardcovers coming out. They're coming out. I mean, just like DVDs now and, and Blu-rays for movies. You know, the movie's not even out of the theater three months before you see the digital release what or the or the uh, or the steel book or whatever. When I went to go see Wonder Woman the second time, uh-huh. um, I went with someone, and before I went to go pick them up, I was on my Xbox, and it said, "Download Wonder Woman now. You can own the movie." Yeah, and I was like, "Well, that's hilarious." And uh, so, yeah, I mean, instead of going out to the movie theater and seeing it when I did for the second time, I could have easily sat home and watched what? it and owned it yeah, digitally. Yeah, spent 20 bucks and you would have owned yep. it forever and ever. So I, I see comics in a lot of ways moving to the, 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 the collected format. Um, I, 
You well, know. if if you look at the way DC's doing things right now, mm-hmm. um, I feel like they finally got their trade paperback and their their hardcover and their collected editions. Yep. There's, I feel like they're starting to take the cue from Marvel. Yes, while the they're behind on things, I'm glad they're actually taking the time to catch up because now they got the the digital. Yes, and uh, you know, with the issue that you buy. Um, you got the the JLI omnibus that just came out. Oh my god, that thing is beautiful! And they haven't even released the whole thing in trade paperback. They've been flip flopping on that. Uh, they did the first three in hardcover, and then put them all into paperback, and then they did four through six in paperback, yep. and they never finished it. So, like th- them doing whenever they do omnibuses, I'm excited because it means I'm going to get the whole damn thing. That's right, and honestly, that book. The JLI book, it isn't all for laughs. I know the first year of that book is pretty much a comedy book. I would disagree but, but, when you get into the Gray Man story well, right that, out the gate. I mean, there were I mean, they punched it up with a lot of comedy even at the beginning of the Gray Man storyline. So, yeah. you know, there but you're you're absolutely right. I mean, people have this this a lot of people, I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of people have a misconception about Justice League International as being a book just for laughs. And that's nothing could be further from the truth. They were writing some tense superhero fights. Some some world-ending crises were happening in that book. And to me, when I think it was Bill Willingham was on the art, or no, it was Adam Hughes was on the art and during the Despero storyline when Despero came tearing through Earth on his revenge tour against the Justice oh, okay. League. And you know, it's like you know, I feel hate. Hate is my food. Yeah. Hate is my air. Hate is my drink. You know, yeah. and it, that was that dialogue. There, there was nothing funny about that. There was nothing funny about him putting Blue Beetle in a coma for weeks. You know, yeah. I mean, that was just so good. But, um, sorry, we get we, we you were talking we, about collected. We were formats. talking about collected formats, and I, I just see myself really diving in with collected formats, you know, and that's that's been a lot of fun for me, especially being able to revisit stuff that I haven't read in years, like the complete Mr. X Volume 1, which is behind oh, me. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, I mean, that's stuff I haven't read since it first came out years ago. Speaking of Jason Aaron and the whole collected thing, one of the things I really, as you know, I'll say I want to wait till it's over. One of the things I waited on um, was his Punisher and I take that back. I read the first eight issues, and then they had to take a long, long break for Steve Dillon to go do um, a, an Ultimate Avengers series. Yeah. And then he came back to Punisher. But And the Ultimate Avengers series was just forgettable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, don't get that in trade. Get the Steve Dillon, yeah, <laughs> Jason Aaron uh, Punisher. Yeah, so like I ended up, I ended up finishing... Didn't I, okay, so what I did was I read it kind of as it came out. Yeah. That break happened, and then I was just like, uh, forget it. I'll wait till it's over. And now I have the entire thing in one book. Huh. And uh, I got to tell you, that whole thing is a hell of a journey. Oh, I bet. Because um, what he does is him and Steve Dillon explore what... Uh, you know, they bring in some aspects of the Marvel Universe into that very grounded Max... Okay. World, really, and and they make it very clear that this is the same Punisher from uh, Garth Ennis's is Max stuff. So the one with the face, like, yeah, 
Yeah, I well, mean, honestly, I mean, it's where him and Manucci almost had the same face. I mean, yeah. I, I, I hate to say it, but yeah, that's exactly they could have been related. <laughs> yeah, and so I mean, that's what this is. It's it's uh, you get to see all kinds of blood and gore, and and Steve Dillon doing some really solid storytelling. All right, um, and they bring in. It starts out with the kingpin, and you get to see his rise as the kingpin. Mm-hmm. You get to see him uh, telling. Basically, uh, some stories about you know how how he got revenge on people. Right, him killing his dad. What that looked like. Yeah. Um, and then they bring in Bullseye, and Bullseye. Oh, is, that! Uh, what a great villain for the yeah. Punisher. Oh, it was. Th- there was an issue of that where Bullseye is fighting Punisher. They're on the ground and they're rolling, and. Uh, so Bullseye throws up as an attack to try to drown Frank Castle. Nice. And so you get to see that, and then you get to see, uh, they bring in, after that, it's Electra. Yep. And uh, then finally, you know, you get to see some of the uh, background on Frank Castle. Was this during their Thunderbolts time together when Electra showed up? No, no, this was this part is, of that Max thing. Okay, it was just all Max. This yeah, was not th- tied in. there's no Marvel Universe. It's just that some Marvel Universe characters, characters were taken into and, it. And Got it was it. almost like ultimatized. Interesting. So this is the first time that uh, Frank Castle's meeting the Kingpin. So you get pure, uncut versions of these other Absolutely. Marvel characters. So pure, uncut heroin, I mean bullseye. He, he, he doesn't you know? wear a costume in the entire thing. No shit. Yeah. He doesn't have the stupid like bullseye scarf from. He the... does, but w- it works with his character. Okay, he has a lot more in common with um, the Joker than he does bullseye. Interesting. In this. You know, I could see Steve Dillon doing that. I'm going to have to read that run. It's I... it's amazing. If you get a chance, they're about to put it all in soft cover, and I think it's going to be forty bucks, all twenty two issues. Cool. Uh, I'll get it. You should do it. I mean, I'm getting mostly soft covers. I'm getting some uh, hard covers right now. I just got Batman Ego by Darwin Cook. Oh, that's so good. And I am in lust with... Well, you know me. I'm a Darwin Cook lover. I I know you are, too. And there's some other stories in that as well. And it's just... God, that I'm... But I don't really get too many hardcovers because they don't line up well on my shelf. Understandable. Because there's not like a uniform size for hardcover distribution yet. And uh, I'm I'm kind of peculiar about the way my bookshelf looks. Yeah. So uh, trades for me right now. But I'll totally pick that up in soft cover. That yeah. sounds dope. It's it's a nice. I've read it like two or three times at this point. Yeah. You know what what hasn't been collected in an omnibus, but I hope they announce that it will be collected in an omnibus, is Jason Aaron's Star Wars book that he's been doing for Marvel Comics. Um, here's a hint in case you haven't heard. I'm a Star Wars fan. <laughs> he likes it a little bit. I like it a little bit. Here, come here, Yoda. We've talked to you. I'm sorry about picking you up from your face here. But uh, Yoda's my co-pilot, and I think he should be here up front. That was too bad All that right. he was sitting there. You don't mind that? He, nah. You're not going to let Yoda get between us, are you? No, of course not. Okay, good. You know, He's a Jedi master. That's right. He'll, I, don't, he'll, I don't know he'll any te- Jedi anything. Yeah, he, he'll teach us both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the force he shall teach you. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I am just a huge fan of Star Wars. I, I make no bones about but I am a fan of Trek also. You know, I'm wearing the shirt, wearing a red shirt, so please don't kill me. Um, that's after we go off air. That, that's, yeah, I'm going to fall off a cliff here in Stockton or something, or Mugato <laughs> would get me. But but what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is, is that Jason Aaron's work on Star Wars 
is so amazing because this is the guy that gave us scalped. This is the guy that gave us... Um, Bullseye throwing up in bull- Punisher's mouth. In, in the Punisher's mouth. This is the guy that's given us some of the most hyper-violent comics on the planet, as well as some great superhero, I mean, sweeping superhero epics. Like, again... His Wolverine? His, his Wolverine was oh my God. fucking genius. You know, and he wasn't too bloodthirsty in that run. Um, you know, he was a superhero. Just full-on Logan yeah. is superhero. Um, he has done mythic stuff with with his mythic run on Thor. I mean, honestly, the, the, the amount of work on Thor... While I don't think it will ever hit the kind of azimuth that that Walt Simonson's run on Thor hit, I think that he will be one of the great Thor creators when history tells tells the tale of, of yeah. the way his run went. I think there's so much great stuff that well, came they, out of they it. They said that uh, over at NYCC this weekend, they said that Dan Slott still has a way to go on Spider-Man and Jason Aaron still has a way to go on Thor. Well... I mean, when this is all said and done, maybe he will be right up there with Uncle Walt. You know, I mean, yeah, that's it, a fucking long run. But one of the things, and and I love his Thor run. So I just want to say this: there's so much Jason Aaron stuff that, and if you out there in the audience have have other Jason Aaron works that we might not have mentioned, by all means, bring it up. But when Marvel got the license from Dark Horse. Um, because Marvel's a Disney subsidiary, mm-hmm. and it only made sense that if Disney was going to buy a comic book company that, and they just bought Star Wars, well, Star Wars was going to be published in-house. Yeah. And so the first four issues of that book was Jason Aaron writing with the, one of my favorite artists of all time, John Cassaday. Honestly. That's how you knew it was a big deal, because they don't bring him out of the bullpen for no reason. No, he does not do bullshit work, okay? When John Caste doesn't work, I mean, he's got his passion independent project, which I can't think of the name of right now. It's a crime book. I, I, uh, he, he's publishing an indie crime is? book right oh, now. Oh, cool. I'll, I'll find out the name, and we'll put it. If you know, let us know on, on the Facebook stream. Um, but we will. I will put it out there. So he's been doing work, but... You know, mostly he does covers, and when he does interiors, it's special because this guy has the... He's able to capture the energy that John Byrne was able to capture. He's got the facial expressions of a Kevin Maguire where he can grab... He does. His facial expressions are really good. You know, he has dynamic storytelling and panel layout, you know, that, that you can see inspired from some of the greats from... From from Wally Wood to Jim Steranko to even some Will Eisner thrown in for the, the I mean and he's been inspired by some of his great writing partners too you know guys like Warren Ellis for instance you know on on their I mean seminal run on on Planetary um, but think about it you're you're being given the keys to the Star Wars kingdom and your mission is to tell brand new stories of the crew of the Millennium Falcon Han Chewie Luke Leia. 3PO and R2. You have to tell these stories, and we want it to be as good as any of the, the big movie blockbusters. Yep. And that was a heavy load. And it, s- Go ahead. They, when they came out of the gate with that, and they said, Jason Aaron's doing this, I knew they weren't fucking around. I knew that they, whenever they brought in that creative team, I said, oh, they mean business. They do. And it sold a million copies, the first issue. It did. A million copies in 2000-something. We're not talking 1991. You know, we're talking 2015, 14, that book came out. Yeah, and, and 
most of the time, number one books now might crack six figures, maybe. Maybe. And that's generally a first issue. Like a quarter million is a bonzo hit. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy good, or yeah. at least been crazy well received. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But for a million copies of a comic book to sell, that doesn't just happen at your local comic book store. That happens at Barnes & Noble. That happens at Walmart. That happens at Target. That happens in all these other places that you don't necessarily think of as your go-to choice for comics in There's the modern era. There's a reason era. that had so many covers. It was because they wanted to get that book into as many hands as possible. And it was a great fucking move on their part. And they should have every confidence in that creative team. Well, they, they did. And you know what's funny is, is that a lot of, of comic reviewers, I won't say they poo-pooed, the first four issues, but they didn't think it was like inventive storytelling. Oh, this is just the same old Han, Luke, and Leia that we've read about a million times before. That's bullshit. And it is bullshit because you're reintroducing Han, Luke, and Leia, and, and not to mention Chewie, R2, and 3PO, to an entirely new generation in an entirely new channel. Now, look, Dark Horse did some great Star Wars comics. Um, some of my favorite John Ostrander work was done... Mm on Star Wars Legacy, which took place 100 years after the Battle of the Second Death Star. Um, I love a lot of the Dark Horse stuff. The original Knights of the Old Republic was not a video game. It was comic books written by Rick Veach. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so... Um, yeah, I really loved Doug, uh, Brian Wood and Carlos, oh, yeah. Carlos Deonda. Yep. I, I really liked their work. And part of me was sad that they, did, they weren't able to come on and do the same thing. It would have been nice to see. Yeah, but at the same time, I get needing that fresh start. And they needed to hit the ground running, and they needed to make the biggest explosion because, honestly, that was part of Disney's overall plan to to really push the marketing for The Force Awakens. I mean, it was was priming the pump. I think there was this, this... you know, say what you want to about Dark Horse. I love the publisher. I think they put out a lot of great stuff for the most part. Um, they don't have the sales that Marvel Comics has, or DC, or Image. You know, they just don't have the same level of visibility as those three publishers. To go to arguably the number one publisher in Marvel Comics, which trades well, at that back time and, they were they were, and now it's DC. But it, it goes back and forth. Um, but to go to the number one publisher at the time with one of the top writers, with one of the top illustrators, not to mention, I think Laura Martin did the colors on that, uh, who is, I think I've said this before on this podcast, is God's gift to the world of coloring. Um, She has blazed a trail, not just for women in comics, but for colors to be treated as the artists that they, they, they should be recognized as. And they put together this awesome creative team and this simple Luke Han and Leia story about how they were infiltrating an imperial base to steal some stuff for the Rebel Alliance led into a conflict with D- Darth Vader and the 501st Legion. And what is Han's great idea to get out of this situation but for all of them to hijack an ATAT? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Blast their way out. And Darth Vader just stands there with his hand raised. Thing doesn't move. Wow. Because he's Darth Darth Julius Vader. He does not take no shit. Wow. Luke had a short fight that he luckily got himself out of with Vader, 
Like they traded a couple of mm-hmm. saber blows, but it was almost like Vader was playing with his food at that point. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I mean, John Cassidy illustrating a, a fight, but and all this takes place. The current Star Wars run takes place between uh, Episode Four, New Hope, and Episode Five, uh, The Empire Strikes Back. So this is pre known pre Yoda, Luke. This is Luke just reading little bits here and there, learning little bits, and, and just being a guy who wants to fight really, really hard. So he, this is Luke who tries, not Luke who is on the path, true path of a Jedi just yet. And, um, you know, his, I mean, I could hear Carrie Fisher speak the lines that Jason Aaron wrote for her. I wrote, I read the first, I read like that first four issues worth. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, I was in the exact same boat. I could hear, I could hear them yes. talking. Yes, and parallel to that book, um, and just real quick shout out, uh, Kieran Gillen and Salvador La Roca did this amazing run on Darth Vader. They just put that out in an yeah. omnibus, and I'm probably going to be getting that when that goes to soft cover. And holy shit! And when they intersected on the series Vader Down. Jason Aaron, Kieran Gillen, Salvador La Roca, and I forget, was it... Diodato? Uh, 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 Mike Diodato. Yes, yeah. you're absolutely right. When those four illustrators, uh, four creators, excuse me, got together to do the Vader Down arc, where Darth Vader and Luke are dogfighting in this one system over a rebel base. Okay? You, have you ever read Vader I've Down? Not, I've not read it. Are, are you, you going to mind if I spoil it just a little oh, bit? Oh, that's fine, yeah. Okay, so... There's a situation, and Darth Vader and his wingmen—I forget—I think they were called the Death Squadron. His 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 um, unit of Tie Fighters um, were taking on Rebel X Wings. They were taking on Red Squadron, which Luke mm-hmm. was now the leader of. Okay. And they were in a, a dogfight engagement, and the sequentials on that storyline was fantastic. And Vader gets shot down by a lucky shot from Luke. Lucky meaning the force, uh, <laughs> you know. So he was shot down over this rebel-held planet. And Darth Vader, you know, crashes his TIE Advanced. And he gets out and he looks around. He's like, okay, I can take him. The whole rebel legion that's that's. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so he gets to this point. This is in one of the Mike Deodato issues. And, oh, my God, this is so good. This is Jason Aaron writing. Uh, and maybe Karen Gillen consulted. Maybe they, they were, yeah. who knows who wrote this, but I believe this was in the Jason Aaron, Mike Deodato book, that Darth Vader gets surrounded by a bunch of those rebel pathfinders, you know, the commandos from uh, the Endor mission. Mm, yeah. Okay. And this, you know, I mean, we're talking an entire battalion of these guys. They're like, there's 500 of them. And, or at least it felt like that yeah. many. And the rebel commander says, who's dressed just like the rest of the guys, goes, we have you surrounded, Lord Vader. Put down your weapons and, and come out with your hands up. And Vader takes a beat and then says, the only thing I'm surrounded is by fear and dead men. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Which is the most gangster thing that I think Darth Vader has said in any form of media ever. I am surrounded only by fear and dead men. <laughs> and he, wow. And then he fucks them all up. He kills them all. Like, the, he does it off screen. Like, wow. Luke also crashed his X-Wing in that engagement. And then when he comes onto it, it was a 
field of, of just blood and gore. I mean, he slew everybody. And you're Is sitting, this with the force or with his lightsaber? Both. There's hundreds of guys just laying dead in, in almost a practical circle. So he was throwing his lightsaber, he was throwing lightning, he was force choking. He was, I mean, imagine if the Rogue One end sequence, you've seen Rogue One, right? Nope. God damn it, Adam. See Rogue One. All right. It's on Netflix. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've been oh, about God that. damn it. There is a great scene where Vader goes ape shit at, okay. You know, okay, on Rebels. You'll love it. Just watch that on YouTube. Okay. At the very least. I love you, man. I really do. I was thinking about reading the comic book adaptation, and then going I hear it's into good, the, actually. And then going into the uh, going into the movie. Yeah, so I hear that. I, I honestly hear the comic book adaptation's good. I don't read them tech yeah, typically. I, I hear you. Um, Me either. You know, but they fill in a lot of blanks that that sometimes the movie you know oh, okay. cut scenes and stuff like that. Anyway, but Luke sees this and goes, "Holy shit!" Like there's lo- this look on his face, and then. Han and Leia are off-world, and they realize where Luke is, and they get a transmission that Vader's on the same planet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And Leia pretty says, we have to go get him, Han. He's like, uh, I don't. I got a bad feeling about this. Oh, of you course. Know? Yeah. But uh, Jason Aaron just ended his run. I want to say it was, what, 34, 35 issues? 37, I think. 37. He always has it. He he knows comic. He he. You just you have an encyclopedic brain about this shit. I appreciate it. So he's ending his thirty-seven issue run. It just shipped last week. I haven't read it yet, naturally. But talk about a guy that did the Lord's work on a title, and in my opinion, was part of the team that helped pave the road for the box office success of the Force Awakens, and really one of the the unheralded heroes of of all the creators at Lucasfilm, I think is Jason Aaron. I can see that, especially you'd already had a rabid fan base getting excited for The Force Awakens, and then to give them something to munch on and to be like, oh my God, this is just like, you know, episode four and all that. It felt like going back home and hanging with with friends you haven't seen in years. Yeah, and then by that time it was, you know, oh, well, The Force Awakens is here. They had something to tide them over that was worthy of filling the gap. Exactly, exactly. And it, like I said, it primed the pump. It got me ready. It made me buy a giant Yoda that cost me way too much money at the time, although it was on sale at the time, I should say. So. It wasn't three figures, was it? No. Okay. It was. 80, I was about to slap. It was you. nine. It was ninety dollars. No shit. I paid eighty nine ninety nine for him. No shit. Yeah, but he originally went for one hundred and fifty. That. All right. Yeah, I mean now when he has batteries in him, like he will sit there and interact with you and teach you the ways of the force. Oh, okay. And he has a light up lightsaber. He has a little contact in his hand there. And okay. All that, so I thought this was just a plastic figure, no. and I was like. Whoever charged you 90 no, bucks can go fuck themselves. This whole armature, he moves around and okay. speaks and does all kinds of crazy shit. So yeah. he'll teach you the ways. Okay. Ways of the force, he shall teach you. Ooh. Well, you can bust out batteries later, and yeah. I, can, I can study under Yoda. Yeah. I got to get some C batteries. Who the fuck uses C batteries I was batteries about to say, anymore? they still use that? They still use that shit. It must be a thing. Anyway, we love Jason Aaron. Not necessarily liked him on Marvel Legacy number one, but goddamn it, the individual stories, if they were just framed a little bit better, this really could have been a cohesive book. And, this was um, a C book that could have been an A. Could have been. It, it was It was like one of those open book tests that you somehow blow mm-hmm. because you're just not paying attention in yep. class. 
And I, you're just trying to get it done. You don't really because the individual parts are yeah. are good. It's just how the book is held together doesn't make sense to me. So, nah. um, look if if you like Marvel Universe characters and want to get a good sampling of what's what to expect, I would say that Marvel Legacy Number One isn't the worst way to spend six bucks. It wasn't offensive. So please know that. It's but not DC Metal. It's not DC Metal. Holy shit, is it not DC Metal? Yeah. But, you know, again, if you are in absolute need of knowing where these characters are before all of their, their new books with the relaunched original numberings come out, again, not the worst way to spend your money, but I, I sat there at the end of it going, they didn't really teach me anything I didn't know. Exactly. Except tease me with the Avengers of Prehistory, which I just thought was... A great idea that yeah. just I wanted more of. Whenever um, I first heard the concept, I kind of rolled my eyes. But as seeing it in execution, I was like, "All right, I get it. Yep. This isn't just Avengers to have Avengers. There's a purpose behind this." Exactly. So, buy it or leave it, Adam. Mm-hmm. Or get it on Comicsology when it goes on sale. Uh, leave it. Leave it. Okay. Um, and the the reason I say leave it is the yeah. price point. Yeah, and I, I'm going to say leave it also just on the price point. But if you find if again if you buy it, you're not going to get any negative commentary from us on it. You know, again, there's no. much worse books out there that you're spending that much money. It's on. it's barely a leave it for me. Yeah, same and here. If it if it were a three ninety nine book, I'd say buy it. Or even a four ninety nine. Yeah, book. I. But that six dollar price point just. Made me really scratch my head. And if it had like a cardstock cover or something that it's perfect bound or something, yeah, like that, something you know? that made that made me feel like, oh, okay, well, they actually put care into this. Let's exactly, yeah. But the six dollar price point is what kills it for me. It was a hard, it was a hard one to do. I got to be honest. Yeah. So, um, but again, dear listeners, dear watchers, um, do it thou willst with this one. Um, I just think there's if you're into Jason Aaron or want to get more into various Jason Aaron books, Aaron and I told you about a couple. Adam. Adam. Jesus Christ. I'm tired. I'm old and tired and haven't had dinner yet. Okay. 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 Uh, for those of you who well, saw it gives that... people an incentive to listen now. <laughs> yes. I'll go ahead and post that on Facebook. So as you might have guessed from Adam coming in, we lost our Facebook feed because I did not charge my phone well enough, uh, and I am super apologetic for that. I I hope that you will listen to this podcast when we post it up uh, next week. It'll be in our Thursday night or Thursday morning time slot, so um, you'll get to hear us wax poetic about all things Jason Aaron. Yes, I'm. Uh, yeah, he's a great creator. You should go investigate all the things that he's done and you, you'll see why this might have been a slight disappointment. Yep. And trust me, there are some, again, Star Wars, Scout. Punisher. Punisher. His Wolverine. Thor, Wolverine. I mean, the list goes on. His, and then his independent work on top of that. Uh, I mean, Men of Wrath. Men of Wrath is the shit. Oh, my God. That oh, was, he I does believe- more in five issues than half the people do in a 30-issue run. Seriously. It's truly, I mean, epic independent storytelling. I mean, just, ugh. And, and his Ultimate Captain America was really well done You know, as I never well. read that. I never read I'll that. have to get you a copy. Would you? Because yeah. I, would, I would read it's, that. It's on sale at a lot of places. Okay. Um, I know I brought it into the store when I saw it was on sale, and I said, I can move this. Yeah. 
No, I'll I'll totally take a copy of that. Yeah, so it's only like four issues. It's really perfect. good. That's a quick read. So, Adam, uh, since we had our Facebook interruption, I just want to thank everybody who tuned in on Facebook Live before we were cut off. Yep. Uh, you definitely have our apologies on that one. I will post this on Facebook as well. Uh, yeah. Adam, where can the kids find you online? As always, at Adam S. Messinger, everything, uh, social media, you, you name it, it's there. There you go. And me, my social media presence is, is pretty much like Marvel Legacy. It's scattershot and named <laughs> different things. Uh, you can find me at Jimmers on Twitter. That's Jimmers with three M's. At Jimmers with five M's on the Instagram and on Facebook, simply at Jim Mason. Please, please, please don't forget that the official page, web page for this show is hosted on Facebook at facebook.com slash graphic podcast. You can also reach the show at Graphic Podcast on Twitter, at graphiccontent.podcast on Instagram, and therealgraphiccontent at gmail.com if you wish to scribe a longer form email or are a creator that would like to share some work with us in the future. Yep. I would love to, to hear from you guys. Yep. And when we get questions, you get free comics, right, Adam? Absolutely. I have no problem sending you some of my past work. Yeah, that'll be cool. So... Until next time, what do we tell the kids, Adam? Go read a Jason Aaron comic. And when you're done reading that Jason Aaron comic, listen to graphic content.